we see and hear from others and what's going on in our our community and what we might read on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, that's, that is a revelation that Jesus commanded obedience. Because that's, that's not the message you hear. <laughs> the message you hear is Jesus wasn't all that concerned about obedience because he loves you so much. But in fact, the opposite is true. Because Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to do his will. He commands you to do his will. So much so that as we'll see in a minute, he says, if you love me, you will do my will, not yours. Jesus commanded obedience. He commanded us to pray, thy will be done, and he commanded us to live Thy will be done. And so I want us to just look at a few passages of Scripture from the Gospels on this. First of all, in Matthew 7, still in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew is in Matthew 6. And now, this passage in Matthew 7. And in Matthew 7, it begins with those wonderful words that have become, to, to as some have said, <laughs> the new John 3.16. Everyone knows John 3.16, or at least did before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish or die but have eternal life. That's one that, that everyone has known. But now there's one that's kind of taken its place in our secular society, in our general world, and to some extent even among our own people in the church which is the very beginning of Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. And for many, that's as deep as they get in Scripture. That's as deep as they get in Matthew 7. (laughs) Because for the rest of Matthew 7, Jesus talks about obeying his will and being obedient to his commandments. So much so that he says, you will be judged based on this. And that's not the message that we get. The message we get is, that doesn't matter. What really matters is for you not to force people to think like you think, which on surface is absolutely true. What's not true is to say, I believe that there is a God, and I believe that this is his inspired and authoritative will, and so therefore I believe that we ought to read this and become familiar with it and try to live that way and try to encourage other people to do the same. That is absolutely God's will. Not very popular because it draws lines. It's not very popular because it calls on people to pray and to live. May your will be done, Jesus, not mine. And we're all about doing his will so long as it coincides with what we want. (laughs) And when it doesn't, that's when the fur begins to fly. And that's when we make our choice. And that's when we really find out just how sincere and genuine and heartfelt that prayer is. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus commanded 
obedience. So let's read a little bit from John, uh, from Matthew chapter 7. Start at verse 13, Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So right off the bat, we realize, wait, <laughs> if the way is narrow, if the road is, is, is small, that leads to life, and, the, and it's the big superhighway that leads to destruction, then which of those two is the message that says you can live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do? Because that doesn't matter to Jesus. What matters is that you're happy. What matters is that you don't force your way on others. The message of the cross is not a popular message. The message of the Bible is not a popular message. And it breaks our heart, but that's just the truth. That's what Jesus said. If his message was different, then they would have never killed him. If his message was just live the way you want to live that brings you the most fulfillment, they would have never put him on the cross for that message. They would have made him the earthly king that Satan tempted him to be. And they would not have had a savior. Jesus commanded obedience. In verses 15 and following, he talks about true prophets versus false. He, he talks about checking out a person based on the fruit of their lives. That's how you can know, good or bad. And then in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Why? Because they did not do the will of the Father. Oh, they called on Jesus as Lord. They just didn't care what he wanted enough to find out what that is and to actually put it in their lives. And that's why that road is narrow. Because my will and Jesus' will doesn't always agree. But that's what he told me to pray. Thy will be done. Not mine. one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the words of Jesus. And then in verse 24, he tells that great story. If we had kids today, I might have done a kid's time today, and I really miss doing that, and I can't wait for all you kids to come back. Come back when it's safe, but come back. <laughs> and when you do, we'll do kid's time again. And what we would have done today is we would have sung the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the rains came down, floods came up, and the wise man's house stood firm. Foolish man built his house on the sand, rains came, floods, splat. <laughs> and that's the song that we love. But guess what? In Matthew 7, that's where that's found, starting at verse 24. But it's an illustration. It's not the point. It illustrates the point, and here's the point, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, 
like a foolish man who built his house on sand. What's the difference? Which are, which are the ones building on the rock? Which are the ones building on the sand? It's the ones who hear the word of Jesus, but also do it. In Matthew chapter nine, or in Luke chapter nine, is that is that great verse where Jesus calls on them to follow him, and in the midst of all of that, as he does that, he tells us these words in Luke nine, verse twenty three. Then he said to them all, Luke nine twenty three, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That is a long way away from what we hear. That's a long way away from God just wants you to be happy. That's a long way away from the ones who say, look, Really, it just doesn't matter how you live. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And then we turn to the Gospel of John. And these words in John chapter 8 that lead into a very familiar verse in verse 32, but first verse 31, John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you'll know the truth, then the truth will set you free. And all we hear is Jesus has come and died so that you can be free. And whereas that's true, there's more to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John than just that. Thy will be done. We continue on in the Gospel of John and turn to chapter 14. That familiar statement, very divisive statement in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very unpopular statement in our world today. And then these words, which almost take us by surprise, and yet Jesus repeats them time and time again. John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. How important is it to love Jesus? We would all say, oh, you have to love Jesus. What does Jesus himself say that looks like? Keeping his commands. And granted, we won't do that perfectly, but we will do that faithfully. We can do that sincerely and genuinely. The fact that Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross doesn't give us permission to not care what he wants for our lives and how we live. You say, well, Bill, I've never read the Bible much, but you've convicted me today. I need to know what that says and how to live. Where should I start? I would start in one of those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Mark's the shortest. John's kind of the most different. Any of them will do. Start there. Then read the book of Acts. Then read one of the letters. I would suggest Ephesians. And then go from there to some other New Testament epistles. I would suggest First and Second Peter because it describes the world we're more and more living in. 
We sang, I stand in awe of you. Do I? Really? Do I stand in awe of God if I, I don't know what he says and I'm not trying to change that? We sang, our God is an awesome God. Do I really truly believe that? If I believe that this is his word and yet I'm not trying to understand it and I'm not trying to read it and I'm not trying to live based on what that word says. Jesus commanded obedience. But secondly, Jesus lived obediently. He lived obediently. And these are familiar passages that you see down there. In Matthew chapter 26 is that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about that scene where Jesus goes off and he takes Peter, James, and John, and then he goes off by himself a little bit farther still and And he prays this prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And for him, that meant giving up everything. That's the prayer he has taught us to pray. Thy will be done. Whatever that means for me, I'll be okay with because you'll be there with me. May your will be done. Those other passages there, including Matthew 16, that talk about Jesus applying this to himself. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed and he's going to be delivered to the hands of sinful men and they're going to kill him. And on the third day he will rise again. Jesus lived that. Jesus lived it. And then these passages in the book of Hebrews briefly. Hebrews chapter 5. Beginning at verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I think the writer of Hebrews is talking about Gethsemane there. I think he's talking about that time where Jesus prayed that prayer, take this from me if possible. And he was heard because of his submission, but the answer to the prayer of the Son of God was no. No. I will not take this cup from you. I will not give you what you're asking for because it's not my will. And that's why Jesus prayed, your will be done. If this is what your will is, it's not what I want, but I'm okay with that. Because you see from the cross, Jesus prayed another prayer and it was this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Are you praying that prayer every single day? Which says, Father, I'm committing myself into your hands. Because that's what it means when you pray and you do, thy will be done. He learned obedience, Hebrews 10 says, from the things that he suffered. That's the rest of this passage here in Hebrews 5. And it's supported by the words in Hebrews chapter 10. That he came to do the will of the Father. Quoting from Psalm 40, that's why he came. 
That's why he lived and that's why he died. Because it was the Father's will. Because he prayed, thy will be done. And aren't we so thankful that he did? Why did my Savior come to earth? Oh, he came because he loved me so. And he loved the Father so. And that love drove him to do the Father's will. Well, as we close today, to trust Jesus is to obey Jesus. It's what he said. It's what we're about to sing. And the more I've thought about it through the years and the more I've looked at my own life and considered it, it's a measure of faith, how much we trust the Lord by how much we're willing to do his will instead of our own. For the joy set before him, Hebrews 12 says, Jesus endured the cross and scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us, let's look to Jesus. He did it first. He prayed that prayer first before we did. And then he lived that prayer first before we did. And looking at him, we can do the same. When we walk with the Lord in the light of what? His will. What a glory he sheds on our While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And he will, with all who will trust and obey. This morning, if you need the help and encouragement of your church family to do exactly that, come as we stand and sing this great hymn today. When we walk with the Lord in the light of
so much for being here in person or online. We will conclude with this is my father's world and a closing prayer. This is my father's world and to us well, Father, today and every day, and for that we are indeed thankful. Father, we pray this morning for our congregation. We pray for the works that we are involved in, that you will continue to bless us with uh, success in those works. We ask, Father, that you would be with our leaders, our ministers, and our elders, Please bless them with wisdom in the decisions that they have to make. We pray that they will lead us in a manner that is well-pleasing and suitable to you. We're prayerful, Father, that you would bless our congregation with growth, most of all spiritual growth, and may we continue to be well-founded in your word. We pray for numeric growth, that we may come together and, and grow numerically, and that we may spread your word throughout uh, the Tyler area and throughout the nation and the world. Father, we do pray for our nation. We pray that your will will be done in all things. We ask, Father, that you would help us to come together and to love each other and not to be uh, antagonistic towards others that are not like us. We ask, Father, that you would uh, take a hand in, in our nation and 
guide us in the upcoming election and that your will will be done in all things. Touch our leaders, Lord, and help them to look for you for guidance. I pray, Father, that we might, as a nation, experience a spiritual revival. Maybe that could be led by us to return to being a God-fearing nation. I ask, Father, that you would bless our military, our first responders, These people are willing to stand watch over us while we enjoy our freedoms. Many of them are under attack in their own nation, in their own city. I pray that you would protect them, Father, as they stand watch, keep them safe, and bring them home safely. Dear God, please forgive us of our sins of omission and sins of commission. We pray that we may be better students of your word and that we may exemplify Christ in everything that we do. Please grant us a heavenly home above all things. Thy will be done. Christ's name. Amen.